0: This is the Barbecue Central Show podcast being generated from a live recording of the Barbecue Central Show which airs at the com every Tuesday between 9 p.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control devices. Visit them at the bbqguru.com or call them 800 800- 288 GURU. And by Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply, sauces, rubs, grills, smokers, everything for the outdoor chef. Visit them online at tastylicksbbq.com or call them 800 677 2882. And by Butcher Barbecue, manufacturers of premium injections, rubs, and sauces. Visit them online and take full advantage at butcherbbq.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jeweler, official jeweler of the Barbecue Central Show. Visit them. At StephenDeFranco.com or call 440-440. and use keyword Barbecue Brother to receive all the discounts. And by iGrill, manufacturer of Bluetooth-enabled temperature, which is generated and sent to your smart device. You can find out more information by visiting iGrillInc.com. Use promo code CENTRAL to get 15% off your entire order at the iGrill Inc. store. And by Green Mountain Grills, one of the country's premier pellet grill manufacturers. Three different sizes to choose from, Something to fit in every budget and find out more by visiting GreenMountainGrills.com. And by CookShack, the country's premier manufacturer of electronic and pellet-driven cookers, servicing the residential, commercial, and competition markets. Visit CookShack.com for more information. Whatever.
1: We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea.
0: All right, good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. Uh, This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling, broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. Should you see fit to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. A couple different ways to do it. You can call me, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show, greg at com. Two bits of contact info, should you see fit to join the show tonight. Anything else you want to find out about the show, you can find at the main website, com. Here's what's happening on the show tonight, in case you don't get the newsletter. Roughly 50 to 60 spots left before we cap out at the exclusive Thousand Club. And then who knows what can happen from there. But if you are always looking for a little bit of an inside scoop on what's going to be on the show, who's going to be on the show... subjects that we'll be talking about, go to the main website, sign up for the newsletter. It's very simple and free, and as a gratitude thing from me, you get my homemade barbecue sauce recipe, which I rarely give out. But if you sign up for the newsletter, it's something that I do just to say, hey, thanks for taking your time and giving me your email address, which I will turn around and sell to Big Corporate America for high dollars. Not really. Coming up, in about 12 minutes from now, I don't know if I'm going too far out on a limb when I say one of the most recognizable names and faces in barbecue right now, Aaron Franklin of Franklin's Barbecue. One segment, nay, two segments of Aaron Franklin. That's right. Probably worthy of two hours. We have a bunch of stuff to talk about, which we will not mash through during our two segment interview, but that's all right. If he's a good guest, we'll have him back on later. At a later date, at a later time, to pick up the conversation wherever we leave it this evening. Then we'll roll in the second hour. A gracious guy um, giving up his 914 traditional segment. The first Tuesday of each month gives us what? A visit to the doctor's office. The barbecue doctor's office, and that's Ray Lampy, Doctor Barbecue, for the Ask Doctor Barbecue segment. Lots of great questions lined up for Ray at 1014 and then 1035. We round out the show. We continue with the Sam's Club talk and the Sam's Club local qualifying events that are taking place low these many weeks and find the pitmaster of Big B's Down and Dirty Barbecue, Bill Souza, recapping their win at the Sacramento-California contest this past weekend. So there you go. 216-220-0966. Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. Your two ways to get in touch with me should you see fit. If you are a social media maven, do me a solid and send off a Facebook post. Make a tweet on the tweeter. Let everybody know you're watching the show right now. You can send them to a bunch of different websites if they're just audio people don't want to see my face and who could blame them. The main audio stream can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com, and then pick your player off and running. You can also find the live stream on any number of uh, live podcast directories. If you want to watch the video thing on your computer screen, send them to OutdoorCookingChannel.com. They're live stream there. Also, if you know your friend or neighbor has Roku or a bunch of different Internet Protocol television type devices, ask them to A, search for the Outdoor Cooking Channel on that particular device. If they do have it in the App Store, download it. And there's actually a live stream feature right there on the Outdoor Cooking Channel app for your particular IP television. So you don't even have to leave the comfort of your own couch, and you can watch the show in high, fine, high definition. Thank you very little. Also, don't forget you can subscribe to the show on iTunes for audio replays. That's how the majority of you people do it to the tune of about 10,000 a month. You can get YouTube video replays on the YouTube channel, which is listed on the lower third here on the video side. uh, YouTube.com slash barbecue, the numeral for the letter U if you want to check it out otherwise. Also, video replays at Outdoor Cooking Channel in the archived version there. And, of course, every way possible archived, you can get the show both audio and video on the main Barbecue Central website as well. So, as I say each and every week, never a reason you should ever miss anything on the show, especially this week. I'm sure some of you might be driving into work, and you're I'm not going to hear Aaron Franklin talk live, and I can't take it anymore. Relax. Subscribe to the podcast, and you're all set to go. You won't miss. You won't hear it live. You won't hear it live. But I always say it's best to get the show live because, you know, be a part of the group that hears everything happening off the cuff. But on replay is fine as well. However you're going to consume the show, I'm just happy you're consuming it, for crying out loud. All right, big announcement coming up, even bigger than Aaron Franklin showing up here in about 10 minutes' time. Newest sponsor to the show, and I guess in namesake, could be one of the biggest to join the stable of partners here. Sam's Club Barbecue Series is in. That's right. I wanted to thank Sam's Club Barbecue Series for coming on as a show sponsor for, I guess, the next six months. Very excited to have them aboard for the remainder of their 2014 campaign season. Campaign 24- Uh, geez, their 2014 barbecue season. That includes, obviously, the locals, then the regionals, then the final in Bentonville, Arkansas in October. But uh, twofold. A, it uh, it continues to humble me that a a company the size of Sam's Club sees a value to the show, enough so that they would like to partner with me and... um, Doing a, a very unique, I guess it's not your traditional, I'm not going to be doing the the read that you would normally hear for them, but we've uh, gameplay, well, quite frankly, because I don't have inventory on that version. That's fine. We were able to circum uh, circumvent my own process and come up with something a little more outside the box, a little bit something a traditional radio would do, uh, what we call the uh, segment sponsors, if you will. And uh, they were very excited to jump on board with that. You'll see them all over the website. you see them in the sponsors section. You'll see them in the link section. So I'm very happy and excited that uh, Sam's Club, again, very big company, maybe you've heard of them, is partnering with this show. Humbled to no end that they would uh, want to jump aboard here. So we'll, of course, uh, do our very best to make sure that uh, we give them Uh, that we're meeting and exceeding expectations. Not only do we do that in the day job, but uh, here in the nighttime job, we try and do that as well, as much as like you're probably doing at your respective workplaces. So uh, thanks again to Sam's call for jumping aboard. Uh, I mentioned this last week. Let me do it again this week because we do still have a little bit of time. Let me holla at you. Central light. Uh, My wife is an instructor at Kent State University. Every year she has the Ed Taylor Fundraising Walk for Pancreatic Cancer. They build baskets and auction them off to raise funds every year. And I told my wife Becky that I would get the word out and ask if anyone has anything that they would like to donate. This will cause, well, however many we get, we'll we'll build the, the corresponding number of baskets. So it could be... You know, one basket could be two baskets. We got huge donations from Barbecue Hooks. We got huge donations from uh, Cancer Sucks Chicago and some other people. So if you would like to take part in that, it can be a T-shirt of a team, you know, extra large, double extra large, whatever it is. Uh, It can be sauces or rubs that you make. It can be whatever that has to do with the barbecue and grilling thing. Uh, Maybe it's a a team uh, item for you. I'll welcome whatever you want. We'll build as many baskets as we can get and, again, 100% of the proceeds of these baskets go to the cancer research. So, again, if you have any items you'd like to donate, I would consider it a personal favor. I know my wife would uh, thank you personally if she could, but this is my show. Uh, so let's see how many baskets we can actually build and show Kent State that central lights are strong when it comes to anything that has to do with cancer research. Also, I want to uh, quickly thank Eric Thomas. You know uh, Eric Thomas as the uh, pitmaster of the rolling grill for sending me an advanced copy of his uh, new book, which is uh, How to Start a Home-Based Food Truck Business, Outfitting Your Mobile Kitchen, Attracting Customers, Navigating Option Concerns, Understanding Legal Aspects and Food Safety, Building Your Menu, just to name a few. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read that. Uh, Brought to you by Globe Piquat Press in Guilford, Connecticut, GlobePicot.com. Uh, retailing for about 20 bucks, uh, So it says on the sticker, but I'm sure you can find it at uh, Amazon. You can probably also find it on his website, rollinggrill.com. And we're going to have Eric on, I believe, uh, actually next week, which has nothing to do about the book, although I'm sure we'll uh, talk about it. And it we'll have everything to do about him being on the Pitmasters, uh, which I believe is uh, premiering again this coming Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. So thanks to Eric, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. right, quickly, do you hate standing near the hot grill waiting for your food? I hear you. Let iGrill take care of it. The iGrill 2, the iGrill Mini, both Bluetooth grilling thermometers work with your iOS device to let you know when your food is perfectly cooked from up to 150 feet away. They magnetically mount to your grill or smoker and compact with pretty awesome features like graphing, minimum and maximum temperature settings, and custom alarms, the powerful yet compact single probe iGrill Mini comes complete with proximity wake-up and LED temperature indicators that go through a range of color based on doneness. Red lets you know that your food has reaches target temperature while green, yellow, and orange show its progress in the cook. Get your own iGrill Mini for just $39.99 at iDevicesInc.com That's the letter I, Devices iNC, iDevicesInc.com Or you can check it out at your select low stores if you have them. The iGrill 2, bigger and badder with full illuminated display, four probes for maximum temperature tracking. Start shipping next month in May. Pre-order your iGrill 2 for $99.99 today and get free shipping on your order of $50 or more. Again, same website, iDevicesInc.com. That's letter letter iDevices, I-N-C, iDevicesInc.com. Follow iGrill on the Facebook for exclusive offers and barbecue updates just to refresh. $39.99 gets you the iGrill Mini, which you can also try and locate in select Lowe's stores. And $99.99 gets you the iGrill 2. Pre-order now. You're going to be shipping next month in May. And again, anything $50 or more at iDevicesInc.com gets free shipping. And that is the iGrill. Uh, we're back with a one of two interview segments with uh, probably the most recognizable man in barbecue right now, Aaron Franklin. So I ask that you humbly stick around. We'll be right back.
2: live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. right,
0: welcome back. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. That's right. 31 cities, 500 grand in cash to be won, plus eternal bragging rights if you win the whole damn thing. This week, the Sam's Tour rolling into the Pacific Northwest and setting up shop in Renton, Washington for a local qualifier. To keep up with the Sam's Tour or register to compete, visit kcbs.us/slash Sam's Tour. We'll be talking a little uh, Sam's Tour from Sacramento in the second hour. How about that? Again, that's kcbss. Dot us slash sam's tour all right my first guest tonight easily as i said before one of the most popular people in the industry today you have seen him as a judge on the barbecue pitmasters tv show for a few seasons he's working on a new barbecue show on pbs has a great youtube channel also happens to run the joint that has been voted as having the best barbecue in texas let's race to the hotline and welcome the pitmaster of franklin's barbecue Aaron Franklin joining me here on the show. Aaron, how are you, buddy?
1: Hey, I'm doing great, Greg. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Aaron. And I have to say, maybe not to your surprise given the day, but I've received roughly 47 emails asking me if this was going to be some type of lame April Fool's joke where I was really <laughs> not going to have you. I mean, how lame are April Fool's jokes, right?
1: Well, I don't know. I, I don't normally participate in them, but uh, I don't know. That would be pretty cruel, though.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I hate to disappoint everybody tuning in waiting for me to pull the wool over everybody's eyes. But it's really Aaron Franklin, everybody. Sorry to disappoint. Um, so, like, many different directions that we can run with uh, with you tonight, Aaron. And I guess the best place to start, the beginning. Uh, you know, for someone who is widely considered to be making the best barbecue present day, is there something like, is this a barbecue thing Culture you grew up around—is it something that you became passionate about later on in life? Where does it start for you?
1: Um, I guess a little bit of both, really. I I grew up and my parents had a barbecue restaurant in Bryan, Texas. They had that thing going for a couple years. I think that uh, probably set me up for the nostalgia of it. And then, uh I'd say about eleven or so years ago, uh, my wife and I bought a little offset cooker and started making barbecue.
0: There is a debate that continually rages on within the barbecue and uh, grilling community with those two words, barbecue and grilling. Do you see those two as uh, separate entities and cooking processes all together, or do you see barbecue being kind of this all-encompassing umbrella and uh, grilling happens to fall underneath it?
1: Uh, I think it depends on how you use barbecue. I, I tend to think of barbecuing as, a, as kind of a, like a long, indirect cook. Uh, whereas grilling is, you know, more of a direct heat kind of thing. But here's where you're from. Technically, barbecue just means you're coming out of live Fire, some
0: When you were uh, working at, uh, or when your parents had the barbecue place and you kind of you get off on your own, uh, were you still cooking a lot in the, in the backyard and then uh, encouraged by family and friends to start your own restaurant, or uh, was it just something that you knew you wanted to get into growing up?
1: Well, I kind of... I guess when I bought that first cooker, I went and bought a brisket at the grocery store and, uh, went and bought some wood and started kind of trying to figure out how to cook a brisket. So I think at that point, you know, that first fire that I lit, it just kind of reminded me so much of being a kid and hanging out around this super cool old barbecue place. And, uh, I guess the rest is kind of history. The first brisket was terrible and they progressively got better and... Friends kept coming over on Sundays for barbecues, and we opened a trailer, and here we are.
0: You know, you would figure coming up in the lineage of uh, barbecue as a business, you, you wouldn't be cooking a bad brisket to start. There was no, like, innate awesomeness. You had to still learn? <laughs> it's
3: pretty terrible.
1: <laughs> nothing, it wasn't tender, so.
0: Well, uh, luckily, that has uh, the learning curve has been had by you now. Um, there seems to be quite a bit of competition when it comes to barbecue in Texas uh, how do you try and separate yourself from everyone else's when it seems at least uh, not now granted I've never been through the barbecue gauntlet of Texas yet uh, but it seems like you would run into every stand uh, you know like liquor stores in downtown Cleveland you would have something roughly the similar in in barbecue down in Texas is is it uh, well I guess a is that more of a, a myth than a truth and if it is a truth, how are you separating yourself from all the other barbecue restaurants?
1: Well, it's certainly true that there are. There's pretty much a barbecue joint on every corner. Um, that stereotype is very much true. Um, as far as trying to separate ourselves, I don't. We just do the best we can, really. You know, we really just try our hardest to make the best thing that we can cook, and I don't really look at other barbecue places as competition. Um, I just think, you know, I have a lot of respect for somebody that puts that much heart and soul into cooking something and running the business. So I think we're all kind of in this thing together.
0: Isn't starting a business on its own, A, is risky regardless, but then you pack on top of it that is going to be, in some form or fashion, a restaurant, which seems to have an even higher percentage of failure. Were you scared going into it uh, initially that uh, this is something that might blow up in your face?
1: Well, I think, when we opened up the trailer, we had 28 cents in the bank. So if we had gone out of business, we wouldn't have lost a whole lot. Um, just a, a lot of hard work and, you know, a lot of sweat equity, pretty much. But nothing that was really worth anything of a monetary value.
0: Do you see, or I guess when you're answering I'm sure you're getting questions asked all the time about, oh, I'm going to be looking to start a restaurant, or uh, my friends tell me my barbecue is great and I should start a restaurant, which I completely hate, because that is a formula potentially for uh, disaster, when you have uh, serving free barbecue to people that are happily to tell you it tastes great when that's free. Um, do you counsel a lot of people on the best ways to, to start a restaurant, or is there really no proven methodology of success?
1: Well, I think ours is such a strange anomaly. I can't really use our scenario to go by it. But I do answer a lot of emails, answer tons of Facebook questions and messages and Twitter messages. Or I'm not real great with computers. So it takes a while to get back to these things. But eventually what I end up telling pretty much everybody is just don't spend anything. You know, you can't go out and find – you want to open a restaurant, don't cash in your retirement. Don't get a bunch of investors because it's probably going to fail. Statistically, it's probably not going to make it. And it's barbecue, so you're not looking to make much money to begin with.
0: I always thought the best way, if I was going to do it, and I'll never do it, was you know to go find like that uh, tasty freeze ice cream place, a walk up that went out of business. You buy it for cheap. You do some type of a semi-formal conversion. Get a smoker out back or whatever you're going to use. And then uh, just do it that way, like no servers except maybe for some from front window help. No real tables, no heating and lighting and all that other crap. Uh, and really keep the overhead to a minimum and keep it simple on the menu.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, if, if you could find some old restaurant that's already kind of been permitted and stuff, you can fix it up if you're a handyman. That's, I think, what they does so much is that I, uh, I could build most anything I want to so we didn't really have to pay for any kind of construction or anything. Um, you know. And if you have counter service, you can cook it yourself. You can serve it yourself. So then you don't have to really rely on anyone. You don't have to pay anyone. So, yeah, keep it as self-contained as possible.
0: The potential downside that I'm sure some people are seeing with that advice is, damn, I'm going to have to put in a lot of hours of work. So to take this sexiness out of, you know, being a very successful uh, barbecue restaurant tour as you are. Uh, you're there quite a bit, right? Hello. Hello. Hello? Hey, there we are. You hear me
1: now? Oh, yep. Can you hear me now?
0: Uh yep. Good. Uh, just to, I don't know how much you heard there, but uh, just to take some of the the sexiness out of people thinking that if you're a very successful, you know, barbecue restaurant guy, you're you're getting bags of cash with very little work. You're there quite a bit, right?
1: I am there an awful lot. Um, I probably work the least now that I ever have, and I'm down to about sixty hours a week.
0: Sixty hours a week?
1: I would say so. I mean, wow. it it never stops. We cook twenty four hours a day i got I got to work this morning at 1.45 five a m and I'll be right back there tomorrow at 1.45 five a m so wow. yeah there's a ton of work if you're not willing to work, you might consider something else
0: then you should be uh financially uh independent and just invest in the barbecue restaurants for the guy that wants to work right yeah, maybe so. <laughs> So, uh, and by the way, we're talking with Aaron Franklin. If you want to uh, check out his website here while we're talking, Franklin Barbecue spelled the right way: B A R B E C U E. franklinbarbecue.com. When did
1: I like, I like the right way?
0: That's right. When did the line start forming?
1: Well, it was pretty gradual. <laughs> the uh, we opened up the trailer in December, uh, four years ago. December. And I'd say by about the end of January, beginning of February, we started noticing people, maybe like five people outside the fence before we opened. And then it's just kind of snowballed from there.
0: It seems that there are a lot of, and maybe it's the majority of the notable barbecue places out there in Texas, um, A, have lines. So A, you know, good, that's good, uh, because you got customers waiting, but... Serve until they're done. It's not a continual uh, process of, you know, where you have peaks and maybe the food is really good. And then when you valley, you have that uh, very awkward, vacillating situation of, hey, meat's done, but nobody's here to eat it. How are we going to hold it and how are we going to keep it just as good as it Mm -hmm. is right now, two hours from now? Is that the mindset right from the beginning is we're going to get this meat, we're going to cook it, we'll serve until it's gone, and then boom, we're done. And, And as George Costanza would say, we'll end on the high note every time.
1: Well, not entirely. When it was first opened, I had this crazy idea of being open until about 8 o'clock at night. I thought it would be a piece of cake. I could hang out, play some dominoes, watch the fires, serve the occasional customer. Um, and then we changed it to 6, and then it went to 4 p.m., and then we just eventually changed the sign to still sold out. Um, so initially, it, we, I really did try to stay open all day. And then when we moved into the building, we also had intentions of being open for dinner. But it turns out if you can only make so much food and it goes in four hours, I guess you just can't really do much more than that. Uh,
0: do you see a projected loss on the bottom line? If you were able to you know, stay open until 6 or 7 o'clock, do you think you'd be packing it in more or not necessarily? I don't
1: think so. I think the same amount of people would show up. It would just be more spread out and it would be easier for people. But, you know, if less people showed up, then we would be open later. So I, I think it's kind of, you know, people all the time are saying, you know, like, well, your supply and demand's all crazy. This is some marketing ploy. This is ridiculous. But we do make 2,000 pounds a day.
2: I'm
0: no mathematician, but that's a ton of barbecue every day.
1: Well, (laughs) I think it is a ton. Wow.
0: Um, You know, in regards to the line, is it something now because of, you know, it's kind of become its own thing. I think uh, the line has now have its own webcam. It might have its own Twitter account at this point, uh, moving to its own Facebook account uh, soon near you. Is it something that you worry about going away at some point? I mean, look, a lot of businesses don't traditionally have the physical site of their customer base deteriorating you see that in numbers on reports over times and quarters you have quite the opposite you would really have the ability to see your customer base decaying if uh, if it were so to happen
1: yeah um, I pretty much for the last four years I've been waiting for it to plateau and slow down and it hasn't happened yet so I think maybe I'm finally at the point where I'm starting to think that maybe this you know this, this demand is here to stay I guess um, but I think if it did get a little shorter, then it would we would probably serve the same amount of food. People would just wouldn't have to wait so long. So I think it would probably still even out. And, uh, you know, we're so lucky to be so busy and, uh, and you know, so lucky to have such a high level of business. Even if it did slack off a little bit, I think it'd still be just fine.
0: Are you kind of amazed every day when you... Get ready to, to open up and really start serving the food. And obviously, it's hours well in advance before that even happens that you have that line out the door. Does it kind of boggle your mind every day when you see that many people waiting for your barbecue?
1: Yeah, pretty much every morning I look out there and I'm like, oh my God, why are these people here? There's too many people. And I, never, I pretty much say that to at least one person every single morning.
0: Is it a good ego boost for you? I mean, you know, just between you and me and the fence post to see that many people showing up for your food, that's really got to make you feel good.
1: I don't really have much of an ego, but um, it is a little nerve-wracking. You know, the I think the thing that I think about more is that all these people are standing out there, and if I mess up a batch of ribs, <laughs> or I screw something up, or I, God forbid, fall asleep on a stack of wood, um, these people have already been waiting for several hours. So it's not like they show up after the food's ready and we know it's good. They're showing up before the food's ready.
0: Let me ask you this quick question in the chat room from uh, Steve Rodriguez, and he wants me to ask you, Aaron, how the raise in meat prices might hurt the barbecue industry. you have any thoughts on that?
1: It's very painful. Brisket right now is sitting at about 60% food cost for me, um, and that is absurdly high. But we're using all-natural stuff, so our stuff's a little more expensive than commodity for sure. But you can only charge so much at the same time. And then if we charged a proportionate amount, I would feel guilty about it. So, yeah, the uh, the raising beef prices are, are pretty hard.
0: Have you ever gotten into that? You know, you, you watch the the TV shows. Uh, we'll get into that here in a second. But uh, And it seems like on the competition circuit you see that rise in the Wagyu briskets. Is that something that you guys have ever toyed around with? Or would that really put the, the price point too far?
1: No, it's way too expensive, and I really don't even think it's that good to begin with. Really, um, it just, in my opinion, from breed to breed, I, I think Angus has the beefiest flavor. Um, I think it's more consistent. Uh, Wagyu, for a restaurant setting, you you can never make that work. It cooks down too much. It's got way too much fat. They're way too expensive. They're beautiful, and you have a huge window window of air in cooking it, but. They're just so expensive, and they don't really taste like anything.
0: So best to stay away from something that doesn't really taste like anything, right?
1: Yeah, I, I don't really mess with them. Sometimes I do them for events, just for fun, but it's really nothing that I would ever consider.
0: When you are voted best barbecue in Texas, obviously, great honor. Uh, you're obviously doing something right when you get that distinction. Yeah,
1: but who's really saying that? That's just weird.
0: Uh, who cares? You know how many times I've been voted best barbecue talk show on the internet? Zero times! I'm still waiting. Nevertheless, um, when you hear that or when that comes down, does that add any extra pressure on you to kind of live up to that billing every day, uh, whether you oh, think you deserve yeah. it or not or, or not?
1: It's a ton of pressure because as people hear all these things, then the the expectations can become so unrealistic that you could never measure up to that sometimes in theory. Okay. So yeah, it's a, it, it's a lot to deal with, but at the same time, you know, we just do the best we can and, and keep our fingers crossed. Anybody can have a good day and anybody can have a bad cook. So.
0: Does it, uh, does it or has it ever kept you up at, I mean, it sounds like you get very little sleep anyway if you're getting up to go to work at one forty-five in the morning, but, uh, you know, for that 45 minutes during the day where you might get to sleep, has it uh, affected your ability to, to catch rest and, and the pressure on your shoulders?
1: Not so much anymore. I, I've learned how to deal with it a lot better. Um, I'd say the first year and a half of of the trailer and the beginning of the building, it was uh I would certainly lose some sleep worrying about stuff, but eh, you can only do so much.
0: Aaron Franklin joining Enjoy me your here. Life. Sorry, Aaron. Uh, Aaron Franklin joining me here on the show. franklinbarbecue.com, the website. If you want to check it out, here while we're chatting, you know, in regards to the restaurant, uh, a two headed question: uh, A, is it something that you see yourself kind of doing forever? And then, if so, do you see multiple locations at some point?
1: Well, the forever question—that's hard to say. Right now. Everyone that's there is in their mid to late thirties. Um, one day we're going to get old. <laughs> we're, uh, we're physically breaking down pretty quickly over here. Um, so I don't know what the, I don't know what the forever thing is going to be. I don't think I could physically handle this when I'm in, I don't know, say 10 years from now. And I don't think I'll ever feel comfortable enough having other people run it. Cause I just don't think quality would stay there. So I don't know. Who knows?
0: You don't uh, foresee yourself 30 years from now uh, having some uh, Texas food photographer come around and take pictures of you tending the pit like uh, some of the other ones I've seen over the years?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> I, uh, if if I'm actually fiddling with a fire, sure, go for it. But otherwise, whoever's working that fire can, can take it. And uh, I know I do know for sure we'll never have any more locations. One is more than enough to keep up with. And we're so more concentrated on quality over quantity and we're really not in this for the money so uh, I think I think the one location is enough and we'll do the best we can talk to
0: me just for a second before we go to this break about uh, the flavors that you use on your food the profiles and have they changed over the years that you've been in business
1: well they have changed everything kind of evolves, and, and as I learned how to cook things differently or, or better or try new things that I like or, or dislike. So things definitely change a little bit. But for the most part, everything stayed pretty much the same. Most of our flavors coming from post-oak that we use. And, you know, we don't really over-season anything. We're uh, pretty conservative on, on rubs and everything, trying to get kind of accentuate the natural flavors of the meat but not overpower anything.
0: In regards to rubs, is it all stuff that you make there in the shop, or uh, will you buy commercially made stuff?
1: No, no, no. Everything's made. Uh,
0: ever thought about uh, getting those to market?
1: Well, I've thought about it, but I'd feel kind of guilty selling salt peppers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everybody and their mother has uh, rubs out right now. I mean, you're missing out on a revenue stream, Aaron. I mean, jump aboard.
1: I know
3: it.
0: Holy moly. All right. Uh, We're talking with Aaron Franklin. Aaron, uh, hang out here just for a couple minutes while I uh, talk to everybody about uh, Fred's Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply, and we'll get back with him here in just a second. We're talking with Aaron Franklin from Franklin's Barbecue. Folks, Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply, uh, known for the amazing wide selection of cookers, sauces, rubs, all of the things for both the backyard cook like me and the serious uh, competition team. They sell the Big Green Eggs, the Kamado Joe Cookers, the Primo Ceramic Cookers, Mac and Green Mountain Pellet Grills, all of the Weber Grills and Smokers, every single one of them, as well as the Meadow Creek Smokers and Cookers. One of the largest barbecue guru dealers in the country and the very first to offer professional and amateur cooking classes featuring well-known chefs like Harry Sue, Dan Hickson, Todd Johns, just to name a few. Fred Bernardo, he is the smoking Guitar Player. Call him anything you want, as long as you buy something. I mean, call him or his friendly staff at 800-677-2882. That's 800-677-2882. Or just go over to the uh, worldwide internets and check them up online, tastylicksbbq.com. That's tastylicksbbq.com. And don't forget that the smoking Guitar Player has over 150 cooking videos on the website, and in a couple of them, Fred doesn't even try to sell you anything. He's just spitting knowledge and game to help you better up your barbecue. Again, that's Tasty Licks Barbecue Supply in beautiful, dare I say, tropical Chillington, Pennsylvania. Or, again, you can find them on the website, tastylicksbbq.com, or give them a call, 800-677-2882. That's Fred Bernardo and the gang over at Tasty Licks Barbecue. Uh, we're back with Aaron Franklin in about two seconds. Stick around. We'll
2: be right back. <music> Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome
0: back. 216 um, sorry two one six two two zero zero nine six six the phone number greg at Show.com is the uh, email address. If you want to jump in tonight, more than happy to have you, and uh, we rejoin Aaron Franklin here. Thanks for hanging with me through the break, Aaron. You. In regards to barbecue inspirations or mentors, I'm going to fathom a guess and say your parents were probably uh, pretty instrumental in that portion. But uh, anybody else that you look up to, either back in the day or currently, that really inspired you to to be a better barbecue cook?
1: I can't really think of anyone. Nobody? I know huh? That sounds really silly. Really? But um, you know, I mean, I look at people with, you know, like say my grandfather. I grew up in a music store with him. And, uh, you know, watching, like, his work ethic and how how he ran a business and watching my parents, how they ran their place, I think that's been more inspirational than than watching somebody cook barbecue.
0: Do you think that um, you are inspiring a a generation of barbecue cooks with uh, the success that you have found with the restaurant?
1: Well, people say that, but I don't really know if I believe it or not.
0: Have you had anybody come up to you and say, Oh, Mr. Franklin, I would uh, love to be a barbecue intern and just stand by your side for endless hours on end and not get paid?
1: Oh, it happens all the time. I bet we probably get 15 emails a week.
0: And do you take people up on that, or you just tell them to pound salt?
1: No, it, we're just too busy, and we have to move too fast, and we're just too overwhelmed with workload to really be able to slow down or let anyone get in the way. So, you know, it's really nice, but it would just be more work to show someone how to do something.
0: If I came to Austin to visit, and aside from meeting at your place, which I would want to do, of course, uh, where else would you take me to eat? And, of course, it doesn't have to be barbecue. Like, where are your favorite places uh, to hang out and eat?
1: Well, I'd probably start with barbecue. I'd probably take you out to Snows in Lexington, Texas on Saturday. Um, Terry Bexley is a fellow that runs that place. Tootsie is a pit master out there. and It's a super, super awesome place. They're only open for about maybe five hours a week. and uh, They cook on direct coals, a lot of stuff, and they have an offset cooker for the brisket. And then after that, I think we would head out to Taylor, Texas, uh, to Louie Miller's barbecue. Uh, Wayne Miller's the fellow that runs that place and um, that's probably about my favorite barbecue joint in the state heavy on the pepper and huge beef ribs and then outside of that probably just taking around for cold beers and breakfast tacos
0: i like breakfast uh, and i like beer more than anything and i like cold beer no doubt um you know because of the 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 uh, acclaim that Franklin's Barbecue has had, and obviously you're tasting your product quite a bit, how easy is it for you to go to somebody else's barbecue restaurant and eat it and and be able to evaluate? Are you constantly uh, tasting it and and saying, okay, well, this doesn't taste like mine, or or, this tastes different than mine, and here's what it is, or is it not necessarily a a comparison against yours every time you're eating somebody else's barbecue?
1: Well, I don't judge. Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, I don't really eat a lot of barbecue, to be honest. I, I really enjoy cooking it, and I taste our stuff at the restaurant to make sure it's, it's staying on par. But as far as the enjoyability of just going out and hunting down on a big plate of brisket, it's not at the top of my list, really. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'll take a bite of something. I'll If it's great, maybe I'll have more. Um it's, it's fun to go eat barbecue places, but as far as like a big meal, it, it normally doesn't happen that way.
0: So I guess the, the, the joy for you in the business aspect is producing the product, uh, obviously making the business run profitably, uh, having a, a good group of people around you to, to get the process done. It's not necessarily that you just love to eat barbecue and you're also doing it for a
1: living. Yeah, I don't think it's because I love to eat barbecue. I think it's more because I love to cook barbecue. I think it's there's something so awesome about just sitting around watching fires and learning how fire works and learning how to cook things differently and and then the joy of, of seeing people eat food that you prepared for them and it just totally blows them away. Um, I think that that means way more than the excitement of just eating barbecue. I think barbecue is is way more than just a meal.
0: Aaron Franklin joining me here on the show, uh, Pitmaster Franklin's Barbecue, which can be found on the internet at Franklin Barbecue. Dot com. Uh, I'm going to use the word fame here, and obviously that's uh, always in, in varying degrees,
1: but for you... and that F word will get me in trouble.
0: <laughs> when, I guess, when did like the, the fame stuff start happening for you? Was there a, a point of delineation when you, you knew things were kind of different all of a sudden?
1: Uh, I think it was really gradual, and I still don't pay much attention to that kind of stuff. Like, I don't watch this on TV. I don't read anything that we're in. Um... Maybe if something comes on that that seems pretty cool, I might watch it. But it's really nothing that I get hung up on. I I try my best to ignore it and just kind of just go about normal life. And for the most part, our lives are extremely normal.
0: You know, you were uh, recently, I saw the the bit that uh, Jimmy Kimmel did, Uh, and stopped at your place a couple other places in in a fine white ride boss hog x this is (laughs) like probably an odd question given the lines that you see every day but when you are seen by a national audience uh or you're on barbecue pitmaster tv or whatever the case may be do you see an even bigger line that's already there uh when you see the national hits or does it really not affect the line anymore in that regard
1: it doesn't really affect the line at all um the amount of people that are in line or the amount of people that we can feed we will go out and we go up and down the line and we're checking to see what people are going to order and then we add stuff to it as we think they're going to order more than they told us. So when something comes out, the line doesn't get longer, and they just form a little bit earlier.
0: Aaron Franklin joining me here on the show. Um, I, I guess I would be remiss if I didn't ask, but you know, a couple quick pointers for the folks out there you know i'm just a backyard guy i have no aspirations of opening a restaurant or getting on the competition circuit which obviously is way different than the restaurant deal anyway but uh to cook a, a good brisket like what are the the top two or three tips that you can tell somebody aside from practice obviously we know practice uh, but there's got to be some techniques that uh, you could share with us that might uh, help us turn something out a little bit better than we did last weekend
1: well i think the, the key to any good barbecue is a good fire you know, you've got a lot of different cookers out there that, that concentrate on making a fire last longer or making the heat last longer where, oh, you only have to throw a log on every four hours. Well, what is the quality of the smoke that's puffing out of that thing? So that's kind of what I think the, the biggest mistake that I see is people just using solid cookers that choke off an oxygen supply, don't have good convection going through cookers. Airflow is key to a good fire. So if you've got things choked off, then things can't breathe naturally. So I think a, a good, clean fire is, is about the most important thing to good barbecue of any kind of meat. And then outside of that, I would say just start with a pretty good piece of meat.
0: You know, when you talk and about then after the, that,
1: yep. I would also add yep. um, cook it till it's tender. You know, you can't, it's not done until it's done.
0: So it's not, temperature is merely a a gauge, if you will.
1: It's a little bit of a, I think, but that even comes in trial and error too, because if you cook something too hot, too fast, it may get tender, but that may be rendered out too fast and maybe it's dry. Or if you went a little too low and too long, maybe it's too fatty. So you kind of really just have to trial and error, that part of it. But you can tell if something's cooking too fast, if the edges are getting kind of crispy, if it's starting to dry out, if it's not getting good color accumulation, um, you know, There's some kind of science, but all that is dependent on a good fire.
0: Do you guys do any type of injecting at the shop, or like no way? No. Is that uh, blasphemy? Is that <laughs> walking the thin line of blasphemy down in Texas?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it is. <laughs> I mean, it's about the same as using foil on your brisket. Um, <laughs> for competition stuff, obviously, you would do both of those things more than likely. But uh, in a restaurant, you just wouldn't have time to do all that stuff. You know, if you're putting out 90 briskets in a day, you just don't have time or the amount of labor to put that much time into injecting a piece of meat.
0: Let me uh, talk to you briefly about uh, Pitmasters. And unfortunately, I believe our time will be running out, which I figured would happen. About 50 other things to talk about. But if you're amenable to coming on in a future date, we'll be more than happy to have you. A couple seasons you're on uh, this barbecue. Pitmaster show. Uh, it's been through a number of uh, different versions and um, revisions over the years and then uh, it was Tuffy Stone, Myron Mixon, obviously, and then yourself for, I believe it was uh, two seasons, if I'm not mistaken. How, how were you approached to come in on that show and uh, I guess how was it pitched to you what your role would be aside from obviously judge?
3: Um,
1: they pretty much called one day and said, hey, you want to be on the show? And I said, of course I do. That sounds like a ton of fun. I'll see you next week. <laughs>
0: boom yeah, done deal <laughs> just that easy right
1: it was just that easy they called up and I, I really couldn't believe i guess they sent an email initially and um i i called them back immediately but um yeah i mean i was blown away i mean why why on earth would they call me i'm just some dude operating a trailer that's kind of dumb did, but um did yeah, they, they call them I was blown away and I did it and it was a lot of fun.
0: Did they um tell you hey we've heard that you cook really good brisket or like what was their line on you um to 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 get them to make that call?
1: I think maybe they had done some research. Um I don't think it was completely a cold call. I think uh maybe my name had been suggested by a few people and they just I don't know, maybe just thought I was a nice guy. It is
0: so uh, during the, the seasons of doing the show, I think format pretty much remained the same. You'd have uh, three teams competing, and then they're presenting the food to you guys or uh, evaluating. You know, as a watcher of the show, you know, I watch it because it's something that I can cover, and it's ever kind of ever-changing when the seasons are on for this show. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily a, a fan of the format, like uh, the chopped style stuff. But that's just personal preference. Um, when I'm watching the finished product, and uh, it's 22 minutes or whatever it is on the television versus the hours and hours that it actually takes to, to tape and, and do the whole thing, how much is left on the floor? Uh, and perhaps a better question is, uh, when you're watching the finished product, are you surprised at what you see makes it and what doesn't make it?
1: Um, as far as makes it into the blind box?
0: Yeah, no, what makes it onto the show itself and, and
1: what doesn't oh, make it onto
3: the show. Yeah, not
1: really. I mean, because there's a lot of just real boring stuff. I mean, it may take two full days from sunup to sundown to film that thing, but it's mostly just sitting there staring at fires and just sitting there doing pickup lines and stuff, at least for the judges. And then, you know, for the cooks, they're doing their stuff, but they're going back and like, well, walk this way because we got to move the camera and there's a lot of reset. So there's a lot of standing around. Um, I think the way that they edit that show is – I think they do as good as it possibly could be done with what they've got.
0: Would you, if asked, would you turn around and go from the table to the competition side of things and, and take your hand at
1: it? Uh, I could, but, you know, I mean, I do that every day, and I don't really do competition stuff, and I'm really not into competing at all. Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. I guess it depends on what what kind of day I was having when they asked
0: what was your interactions like with uh, the other two judges? Obviously, uh, Tuffy Stone, widely considered to be the uh, smartest competitor uh, in, a, uh, in, in a very uh, academic sense when it comes to the world of barbecue, and uh, Myron obviously needs uh, no uh, introduction or reasons on why he's awesome, and I've uh, continually maintained that over the course of his career and, and perhaps present-day barbecue people, no one uh, really transcends the sport like he does because he went for many different sanctioning bodies and winning in many different sanctioning bodies in a lot of the major competitions. So uh, his credentials certainly speak for themselves. How did you find those two uh, separately, and how do you guys think that you worked together as a judging crew?
1: Um, I really enjoyed hanging out with those guys. Um, And not just the judges, but across the whole show. I made some really, really great friends doing that. And, um, you know, it was a ton of fun sitting up at, at the judges' table with those two other guys. And uh, just sitting around talking about barbecue—I mean, that, that's such a priceless experience.
0: So uh, the obvious question is: You have a great time. You do two seasons. Uh, do you opt out uh, on your own at the uh, third season, or do they decide to go in a different direction? Where does it uh, where does it go?
1: Um, I decided to not do it anymore. Um, you know, I do have a restaurant that I work at. Um, <laughs> And I operate, so that that got a little hard. My wife and I were planning on starting a family, so that that played a, certainly a big part of it. Um, and then also, I kind of wanted to go off and, and kind of do my own thing. And and now we're starting to work on a PBS show, which is a lot more on the educational side of things, which is a little more my style.
0: I was just going to ask you about that here uh, before I turn you loose tonight. Is you know you have the the PBS show that's coming up. Obviously, uh, you also have a uh, a newer YouTube channel that has a lot of great video content you know in that regard two different kind of mediums uh, both visually you have a youtube uh, online and then you're going to have this uh, pbs show uh, are they kind of structured the same or uh, will the pbs show be uh, different to a certain degree from the youtube channel
1: well the pbs the actual show is sort of a spinoff of the youtube videos we just kind of tested the waters a little with youtube videos but the show will be a lot more diverse we'll do a uh, be getting into butchering and how to pick out cows and how to go pick out pigs and how to dig holes and cook whole hog and how to weld and all kinds of fun stuff. So I think it'll be a little bit of travel. There's going to be a KBS episode on there. But um, yeah, kind of kind of how to, how to dabble. And then it'll also have a lot of web extras and then probably end up coming out with a DVD of the whole thing with more like real time cooks.
0: Do you have a anticipated airing date? Is that going to be something that is uh, regional in distribution, or will anybody be able to see it?
1: Well, it's a little too early to say for sure, but I think at this point, we're probably looking to have it start airing around the end of the year, and it's looking like it's going to be uh, distributed nationally with PBS, hopefully. Fingers crossed.
0: All right, yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed. Uh, we're talking with uh, Aaron Franklin. You can... Uh, Check him out at his restaurant, Franklin's barbecue and uh, you can visit the website franklinbarbecue.com. Aaron really appreciate you pulling two segments tonight. We have not even scratched the surface with a bunch of different things that we can talk about. Uh, so if, uh, if I could have you back on again uh, later on, I'd more than be more than happy to have you.
1: Well, I'd be more than happy to come back on.
0: All right, Aaron, well, I appreciate you joining me tonight for sure.
1: Hey, thank you.
0: You got it. There he is. Aaron Franklin of Franklin Barbecue. No April Fool's. I told you. Why won't you believe me? I'm not the April Fool's guy. I think April Fool's is ridiculous. Dressing up after you're 10 years old for Halloween and April Fool's planks. The worst things ever. Grow up. Today is the day you find out which co-worker is the biggest douche in the office. April
4: Fool's!
0: Folks, a quick service announcement to all the barbecue brothers and sisters from Stephen DeFranco, Stephen DeFranco's jeweler, who is also a barbecue junkie. In fact, Steve and I are going to be doing a... a judging at a local rib competition in beautiful, historic downtown Willoughby. Next month, it's going to be great. We're going to eat ribs all day. And we're the expert judges. (laughs) However... If you visit stephendefranco.com, that's right, stephendefranco.com, you can look at great timepieces. You can look at artisan wood bowls. You can look at Venetian glass jewelry. You can look at those uh, Pandu, uh, Pandora-style bracelets. I believe it's uh, Camille bracelets. Competing product. You can look at the Philip & Company high-end European watch that uses the Swiss movements, the ETA movements, if you will. Again, so you go to stevendefranco.com, pick out what you like, then call Steve directly, 440-943-2700, 440-943-2700, and ask for Steve directly once he gets on the phone. Tell him you're a barbecue brother or sister, that you listen to the show each and every week, and that Rempy tells you to call in, get the real discounted price for your new watch or you know whatever it is that you see. Especially for the watches, he's not allowed by the manufacturer to show you the real discounted price on the website. There's some type of contractual deal with that that he can't actually do. Uh, Steve always will ship your item for free. With the watch, you get the extra year of warranty, so two years. Free batteries for life will set the time for you if you want. It's a complete watch package. And again, if you're looking for the real big jewelry buys, the rings, the necklaces... The earrings, all that stuff. Uh, Counsel with Fred first. He's not going to try and upsell you. It's not some shithead that's at the uh, chain stores looking to just fatten his pocket and upsell you into something you don't really want or need or perhaps can't even afford. Steve wants to earn your business this time also down the road. Customers for life. That's what we're trying to attract here at Stephen DeFranco. And, uh, again, you can call him at 440-943-2700. John Marcus, executive producer of Barbecue Pitmasters, bought a watch from Stephen DeFranco under my direction. He's been satisfied ever since. No better testimonial than John Marcus. 440-943-2700. StephenDeFranco.com. There you go. All right, uh, we're back with a little reaction, Aaron Franklin, and uh, wrapping up the first hour. Stick around, we'll be right back.
2: Big-name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show.
0: All right, back at it. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Justin Blakely weighing in. So pumped up, you finally got Franklin up. I hear you. Me too. And again, it wasn't a joke. It was for reals. For realsies. Steve Rodriguez, great session. Thank you, Greg. You covered it all. Great job. Hardly covered it all, Steve. By the way, if you go to my uh, Facebook page, check out the uh, post that Steve made. Steve, I think, uh, owns a uh, service station out there in Chattanooga. And on the scroll, like where it tells you how expensive fuel is, which is a ball buster, It's like Barbecue Central Show on tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern. Thank you, Steve. Look at you. Adam Pace. uh, I'm sorry, Patrick Paquette. Instant candidate interview of the year. Seems like a humble, real guy. Adam Pace. Really enjoyed the Aaron and Greg. Midnight Oil Steve Ray. Second the motion on Patrick for being a... uh, Instant classic of the year. Nibble me this plus two. Don Geiger plus three. Uh, Midnight Oil. Steve Ray. I think Greg. Uh, I think Barbecue Pitmaster should have Greg on as a competitor. Worst idea ever. Steve, you're banned from the show. I ban you. Uh, much like our most recent guest, Aaron Franklin, has no interest in competing. Uh, I share the exact same sentiments. I have no interest in competing. I would summarily get my ass handed to me in a cooking competition because I'm not a competitor. I don't know those uh, tricks and flavor. Well, I would take my honey rub from Butcher's Barbecue and probably kick everybody's ass. So let's go. Let's get it over. Dave will arm me with succulents and I will wreak havoc on Barbecue Pitman. In all honesty, I have no uh, desire to, to even get up into that mess people would wax me i would be labeled as you know the guy with the show that talks all these great guys and he got murdered in the competition i know trust me i know how it would go down and it would not be pretty for me Uh, i have no interest in a being embarrassed nationally uh, but b i have no interest in seeing where my food stacks up against everybody else's i think it's good my family thinks it's good and my friends think it's good that's all that matters to me if I wanted to see how my food stacked up with everybody else, I wouldn't compete in competition barbecue because that's not how I cook my food.
2: Come on. you kid.
0: kidding. Um, yeah, I'd get used to it all right. Get used to getting my ass handed to me. Never. If it's one thing I am, it's highly competitive. For instance, golf. I played it for a year. I got really good really quickly. Plateaued, sold the golf clubs the next week. I'm gone. I'm done. All right. Uh, we are going to uh, get ready for the. No. now Just wait a damn minute. We're going to get ready here for the second hour. Uh, so you just uh, sit back, relax, and uh, take a seat. I'm going to refresh my drink. And we are going to have loads of fun here in the second hour. Ask Dr. Barbecue coming up along with uh, Bill Sousa. Stick around. We'll be right back.
2: my heart and from my hand why don't people
0: understand my intention happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show we cook because we have to and we grill because we want to we
3: <laughs> have a
2: great
3: show of a big fan so what 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 seems to be the problem here this man looks
1: like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle
0: Charbono. It's all about the Charbono,
1: dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate 54 wiener. Listen,
0: Laburnius, shake I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs>
1: we have top
2: men working on it right now. Tough
0: men. Ooh, my it's my all right. Just like that, we are in... Oh, hey oh We're into the second hour. Thanks again to Aaron Franklin for joining me. Not only last segment, but the segment before that, two segments of Aaron Franklin. Uh, folks, you have found the Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We do this show from Cleveland, Ohio. I am Greg Rempy your program host. If you want to jump in tonight, more than happy to have you, 216-220-0966. The email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. If you want to jump in, more than happy to have you tonight. You want to weigh in on the uh, Aaron Franklin take or review of the two segments I did with him, I'll get you up, no problem. Uh, Steve Rodriguez asking me after I was politely declining getting on Barbecue pitmaster. Uh, if someone sponsored you to do it for charity, would you? Now let me see if I'm getting this correct, Steve. Are you saying if a business came to me and said, "We want to sponsor you for a competition," uh, would you do it for charity? So uh, the simple answer is, if it still involves me having to go out for charity and get my ass kicked, I'm still a little hesitant.
2: Get that
0: I'm all for charity. I will use my powers for good. But me going out and getting the shit kicked out of me at a competition is not my thing of fun. However, depending on, you know, the situation, uh, obviously, if it's a charity that I find to be worthwhile, I would consider it, I guess, but. I mean, I don't know if I would be benefiting the charity if I'm not winning any money for them. I mean, I would want to go out and win all of the everything. I would want to GC the event so I could then in turn donate all that money back to the, uh, to the, to, to the charity, I think. Memphis in May. Oh, my Lord. Talk about getting my butt kicked. If I can be on Melissa Cookston's team, yes, I will do it absolutely. I will donate all of her winnings to the when we win it to the. I, don't, I, I guess we would have to check it out and see. Speaking of Tiger and the majors, who are the majors in barbecue competition, or what are the majors? Um, we've had this discussion before. I think uh, you would look at it towards the end of the year. In the Octobers, uh, Novembers, uh, you probably have your American Royal. You have the Jack Daniels, uh, I would imagine. Now you have a Sam's Club uh, is probably up in that echelon as well. Um, the uh, Great Lanexa Barbecue Battle always has well over 100 teams in the KCBS. Uh, very prestigious to win, compete in, and then win, of course. I would venture to say that... Um, There's another one that I'm missing. Uh, Obviously, Memphis in May. uh, That's not KCBS, but that is one that people want to win every year that are competing in it, and it's big. Those are the ones that really kind of spring right off the top of my head. Uh, There's a couple that Ronnie Cates do that are big money uh, that uh, a lot of people like to take part in. Uh, Memphis and May, Jack, American Royal. uh, Yeah, Houston Livestock and Road. Yeah, that's a huge one as well, Houston Livestock. That takes place right in the beginning of the year. Just a couple weeks ago, I believe. Maybe a month. Anyway, um, on the show next week, and still to come tonight, by the way, uh, Ask Dr. Barbecue, the Ask Dr. Barbecue site, and then uh, Bill Souza from Big B's Down and Dirty Barbecue. We're going to be recapping his win this past weekend at the Sacramento, California, Sam's Club local. Coming up next week, the second Tuesday, of course, uh, finds uh, of every month, finds Meathead coming in. Love Meathead. Also, a, a good friend of this show, uh, a guy with his own internet show, somebody I love to talk just food in general with. Same, the cooking guy Zion will be joining me as well. So you have that to look forward to. In two weeks' time, believe it. I can't. Usually, I don't promote what's happening in two weeks' time, but the show is already so good, I can't. I can't help myself but to pimp what is going on. The third. Tuesday of every month. Of course, Stephen Reichlin will be joining us. The official sauce and rub reviewer of the Barbecue Central Show makes his triumphant return. Scott Roberts will be joining us on the 15th. And sometimes I like to get outside the proverbial barbecue box. If you are a fan of uh, TV game shows, you are probably familiar with one of the most popular, longest-running TV game shows in the history of ever uh, traditionally seen as having to be smart to play it. This guy shook the whole damn thing up for a number of weeks to the tune of 11 wins in a row and about 300K. Arthur Chu will be joining me on this show. The Arthur effect will be in full effect here on the Barbecue Central Show. So Aaron Franklin tonight in two weeks time. Arthur Chu, $300,000 he won on the Jeopardy to a lot of criticism with the way that he played the game. So we're going to be talking to him about uh, how he did it and why he did it the way he did. And I mean, really, why the hell are people giving that guy such a hard time for winning $300,000? It's a freaking game. If I want to play with my eye closed and my thumb up my butt and that helps me win 11 times to the tune of $300,000, guess what? I'm going to do it each and every time. Sorry. As a matter of fact, I'm not sorry. That's just the way I would play it. So, n-n-n. All right, as I mentioned before, the 2014 Sam's Club Series rolled into Sacramento, California this past weekend. Uh, this was a local qualifying event that will see the top six teams move on to the Las Vegas-Nevada Regional Final, which will take place on April 26th. And the top six teams moving on to that event are, again, and who will be showing up in about 30 minutes from now, Big B's down in Dirty Barbecue, Bill Souza. Son of Smoke took reserve, Grand Champ. Uh, Harry Sue of Slap Yo Daddy is third. Big Shot Barbecue, fourth. In fifth place at the Pit Crew Barbecue of SoCal. And uh, sixth place, moving on, rounding out the top six, Rolling Bones Traveling Barbecue Circus. Great name. Uh, The next Sam's event is a local qualifying event coming up this weekend in Renton, Washington, April 5th. So good luck to all those teams competing. And if you win that one and you're a fan of this show, I'll probably be looking for you next week just so we can recap it a little bit. Let me talk to you about something for uh, the next two minutes that is extremely important that I learned. Uh, A, I have really honed a succulent wing recipe, which I may or may not get to in the next couple minutes. Probably not. But more importantly than that, I know Aaron Franklin kind of trashed off on uh, the pellet cookers, but I have a pellet cooker, and I love it. You have to maintain your pellet cooker properly. And here's what I mean. I've noticed over the last three, four, eight cooks that even when I take my thermostatic control and turn it up to 375 degrees, I wasn't getting any hotter than 250. And after a couple cooks and a failed, dare I say, failed pork butt cook two weeks ago, I'd had enough. I was like, you know what? Maybe this thing is kind of a piece of crap. It's outlived its usefulness. I need to get something new. I don't know. And I said, well, let's not get all bent out of shape. Let's take everything out. We'll fire it up. We'll see what happens in the burn pot. I'll open up the chute where the hopper is and evaluate before we do anything drastic. Or I say anything I'm going to regret on the show. So I did just that this past weekend. Undid the deflector plate, had a straight look into the burn pot, opened up the hopper chute. Uh, Also, on uh, this particular cooker, there is a clean-out at the bottom of the chute as well. So you can just reach your hand in and change out a full pellet if you wanted to. What I found was this. I guess over time, and I haven't been using it an extreme amount because it's freaking cold up in this bitch. This whole winter, this is what I'm saying. Evidently, the pellets were starting to decay. And then they would be not as... uh, Have that integral strength that they would normally have, like a fresh pellet, and the auger would get it. And I think halfway through, the auger just kind of break down into dust. So I was getting poor integrity pellets, nothing to do with the manufacturing of the pellets originally, just over time and and through non-use. And uh, so I was getting chunks of bad, non-great pellets to keep the, the BTUs up, and dust just getting spit into the pot. I said, well, damn. So I cleaned everything out, all the pellets, tossed them, gone. Took out the shop vac, sucked into the auger, burn pot, everything. Did a whole vacuuming out, loaded it up with fresh, new, barbecuers light wood pellets, fired it up. We're back in business, baby. Moral of the story is, if you're not going to use it, and you've just put in new pellets, clean it out. Keep the pellets, A, so you don't waste money like I did because I'm an idiot. And B, you know, get the vacuum up in that thing. Maintain it. It's like any other grill, right, as I'm just learning now, and I should know better. Maintain the grills and the cookers that you got so they work properly. That thing's right back to fight and wait. Love it. Just wanted to share with you. I make mistakes all the time, and I'm not above telling you all about them. I will uh, show the proverbial ass to you so you don't make the same mistake I did. All right, folks, uh, before we get to the Dr. Barbecue segment, let's talk to you for a few minutes about the longest-running sponsor of the show. You know them as the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control technology, creators of this technology. Why would you buy it from any other company? I don't know. I ask each and every week. Nobody has given me a satisfactory answer yet. If you're not familiar with how these work, uh, I don't get into the minute details, but imagine a product that allows you to set your temperature temperature and one set keeps it running all the way at that set temperature through the cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. It's real-life technology. You can take advantage of it today. If you're a busy working professional like me, or perhaps you are constantly on the run with kids doing errands and you don't have a bunch of time to set around in 10 pit temperatures, the Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs. You're off to do whatever it is you need to get done. And the Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. A number of different models to choose from. Uh, the most popular, the ProCom 4. ProCom for. The CyberQ Wi-Fi. Also the PartyQ, which we're going to be talking with uh, Barbecue Bob about the next time he is on. It's uh, kind of a new facelift type thing. $129 for that PartyQ. Self-contained, runs on AA batteries. The hooker of automatic pit temperature controls, because it goes from cooker to cooker to cooker, works seamlessly with a number of them. And of course, talking about seamlessly, if you are looking for a pit, Onyx Oven is something you should consider because, A, it holds a ton of meat, accommodates the half and full pans for food service, but it works seamlessly with all of the Barbecue Guru automatic pit temperature control devices. So do yourself a favor, head on over to thebbqguru.com, check out their products. If you have any questions, I beg of you, call them directly, 800-288-GURU. That's 800-288-GURU. They'll make sure you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box. Again, 800-288-GURU or thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru is a breakthrough and barbecue technology we are back going to the doctor's office right after this stick around we'll be right back
2: live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampe.
0: All right, welcome back. 216 220 Greg at TheBBQCentralShow.com. Two ways to get in touch with me should you see fit. So, this is the first Tuesday of the month. You know what that means. We're going to get into a little bit of this here.
1: If you got questions about barbecue or grilling, maybe as a hobby or even a business, looking to get an expert point of view, why not ask Dr. Barbecue? You can submit your questions by clicking on the Ask Dr. Barbecue tab on the website. The doctor is in. Here's Ray Lampy with his nurse, Greg Rempy. Dr. Barbecue.
0: And that uh, music can only mean one thing. It is uh, Dr. Barbecue joining us here on the show. Ray, how are you, buddy?
4: Good, Greg, how about yourself?
0: Doing absolutely fabulous, Ray. I forgot to uh allow my stream to be shown to you so you can't see me today. I, I fixed it, but now, you know, I have to allow it every time. Pain in the ass, I forgot.
4: I will just put that picture of Aaron Franklin back up.
0: Hey, how about that? Watch him. What uh do you, have, is that a guy you've uh, ever crossed paths with?
4: I met him uh when he was doing pitman He was with John Marcus. And I'm getting some good feedback.
0: You're, you're, are you're getting, you're getting feedback just, right now.
4: So we just chat for a minute, but I didn't. I really haven't spoken about length.
0: Let me uh, let me drop you, and then I'll call you right back. See if that uh, fixes it for you.
4: Great, thanks. All
0: right. Yep. All right. A little bit of feedback. Can I go? I wonder if I can. Nah, I can't. Just the settings. While you're streaming, damn it. Yeah,
4: I heard that.
0: Oh, these people! You know they they want to tell me how I should run my stream. I don't understand it. If I want to have people see me, I should it shouldn't be a freaking dog and pony show every time I want to do it, right? Jeez, I pay money for it. Let me use it to its full extent. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Ray Lampy joining me for the monthly Ask Doctor Barbecue segment. If you have a question that you would like Ray or I or both of us to answer, you can uh, send it to Ask. DR, well, you go to the askdrbbq.com website, and then uh, there's a submission there, and I'll be more than happy to uh, answer the questions for you. Um, Ray, before we get into some of these questions, uh, for some people, uh, spring signifies the beginning of uh, what would be a grilling and or barbecue season. Uh, do you have, uh, and I'm sure people ask you about it all the time, uh, tips for getting that uh, grill back up or that cooker back up to speed after it might have been sitting in the garage for the last four or five months?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's really just some elbow grease. In most cases, you should have been cooking all year. But, man, I was I was up in Wisconsin last week, and those people had a rough winter, man. They're pretty beat up. But if we're cooking all season, yeah, it's time to get throw away the old coals that are laying in there and, and get the grates out and get some new ones if you need them and brush it all off. Just a little bit of elbow grease. If you're cooking with charcoal, you should be ready to go.
0: Uh, Tim in Kansas wrote in this question, and I always think it's a unique question for, for people to answer that are within the industry. It's probably the most common question that I get off show, and I don't really talk about it too much uh, here when we're actually doing the show. How to pick the right barbecue pit for you? So obviously Tim has uh, found a excess of cash that he has either been allowed by the wife to burn or he's been secretly tucking it away without anybody noticing he's going to go buy one. Uh, how do you assess or or what are the things that are most important to uh, take into account when you're going to buy a new pit?
4: Well, you know, it's, it's funny. It seems like every guy I know that's ever bought a barbecue pit just has his own vision. It's kind of like a car or a truck, you know, that one that doesn't look that good to me just looks great to somebody else. And once they're stuck on that, it's kind of hard to get them off of it. Um, you know you just got to look at what do you feel like doing you know the offset is a glamorous idea and a whole lot of us have bought them over the years couldn't be thinking that that was the way to cook real barbecue and everything but the the bottom line is like aaron was talking about you got to feed that thing you got to take care of it if you don't want to watch the fire and put in a log in every hour well don't buy an offset to me that's just foolish if you're trying to outfit your your offset with a basket of charcoal and a and a guru why didn't you just buy one of them square cookers with the chute that that actually runs that way you know or a big green egg that runs that way i don't understand that I, but guys get some macho thing here's what i tell guys usually like for a starter pit if you looking at that cheap offset it looks really macho If you're if you're all about looking really cool sitting next to your pit buy that If you're looking for something a little more practical to cook on, buy that Weber Smoky Mountain. It doesn't look very macho at all, but it's going to make your life a whole lot easier when you're cooking barbecue. So I don't know, man. You got to look for size and most guys don't, especially nowadays, don't want to do what Aaron Franklin does, sit there and, and feed logs into their pit. He, he Think about what he said. He said, you know, cooking fast changes the product. It does. There's no doubt. It's working in the competition world, and, and guys can cook briskets in five hours and all, but I'll tell you, it's not the same as cooking low, slow barbecue, but if that's what you want to do, and most guys do, then buy something that cooks that way. Buy a pellet cooker or buy a uh, one of them, I don't know, what do you call those things? Vertical?
0: Yeah, like the uh, the stump cookers.
4: Yeah, right. There's, uh, there's a bunch of them out there now. Uh, Spice wine is a good looking one to me. Yep. But they're all pretty similar to each other. And, uh, you know, buy one of those unless you really want to sit up all night and feed it logs.
0: You know, the, the advice that I always have for people is, at, you know, A, what's your comfort level with having to stay up all night or, or do you want to sleep at some point? Once we yeah. get that question answered, obviously we can start diverging over to different options. And, uh, you know, this isn't a uh, – uh, well, I guess it's an unsolicited, you know, big green egg pat on the back or any type of, I guess, ceramic cooker is, you know, you see those if you look at the price tag and you might have a little bit of sticker shock up front. But you have to remember this. If you want something that can really do both, a high-temperature grill, a low-and-slow barbecue type of a situation – Really, the ceramic grills are the way to go. I call them like the the hybrid cooker because you can get 750, 800 degrees to do a steak or whatever you're going to do high heat. But then you can also cook on like a load of charcoal at 200 degrees for like seven days in a row with a ceramic cooker because of the way it works and how the ceramic heats up. It's a fuel miser. Those It's like two cookers in one, so I try and steer people or at least put the thought in their head that kill two birds with one stone and, and be kind of cool looking while you're doing it because all of them have a really cool look to them, I think.
4: Yeah, and your wife's going to kind of not hate you for it either. She's not going to like that offset, you know, with the pile of wood out and back unless she really <laughs> appreciates the food. I, I mean, yeah, I certainly think, I mean, there's no secret there. I think a green egg is a great choice. And, and really, you know, nobody ever sells them. You would find those offsets, those cheap offsets for sale all the time. You find Weber's for sale all the time you know guys move up or they end up being collectors guy buys a green egg he usually just is done he just keeps that and cooks his food on it you really can cook all that stuff i i was telling somebody today let me i'm on camera right
0: yeah you're on camera
4: i was talking about this today and i was showing it to somebody there it is that's the first trophy first grand champion trophy ever won cooking on big green eggs in kentucky in 2003 so you can cook you know, Grand Champion barbecue on a Big Green Egg, but you can also cook your burgers on it every night in a week. And I just don't think there is anything better. But I can't try to convince every. I do try to convince everybody to buy a Big Green Egg. Didn't seem like the fair answer here, though.
0: No, but uh, I think one of the other things that people need to consider, and I would like your take on it too, is if you know you do have to establish a budget. But then once you get there and you kind of figure out what cooker you want, if you go to a cooker that you haven't researched and then you actually find out how much it costs. You kind of have a shit your pants moment on some of these things, and so yep. the propensity of people is to start to cheap down a little bit. And my suggestion is, you know, really kind of squeeze the balls for a second, be a man again, and y- consider who you're cooking for seventy five or eighty five percent of the time. Maybe it's just five or six people, whoever's in your family, but maybe you entertain four or five times during the course of the year where you're cooking for twenty five or, or thirty five or more people. I suggest buying up to be able to accommodate the smaller percentage instead of trying to figure out what the hell you're going to do when you have those big parties.
4: Yeah, I totally agree. Both in size and quality, you know, the yeah. quality of a cooker just cuz it looks kind of like that other one doesn't make it the same. I mean, the ceramics were, you know, we got all kinds of knockoffs now and and they look just like it and they're they're similar, but let's talk about it in 5 or 10 years and see how that worked out. Uh the offsets, you know, just because the thing kind of looks like a jambo doesn't mean the quality is the same. Uh, that little metal box at Walmart is certainly not the same as one of those big insulated steel boxes. Kind of looks like it, and and you know you you like you said you're looking to cheap out, but I agree totally. Squeeze your balls and and spend the money, and you'll you'll never be sorry. You know our green eggs have a lifetime warranty. Uh, That Weber, even a Weber Smoky Mountain, that thing is going to last forever. If you buy good quality, you're going to have it for a long time. And you could resell it. If you buy that crappy $200 smoker, You're never going to be able to resell it. You're just going to throw it away in a few years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're talking with Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Uh, His website, drbbq.com. If you have a question you'd like Ray or I to answer, uh, head on over to askdrbbq.com. Submit from there. Uh, Next question is from Gene in Florida. A little wordy here, so uh, bear with me. Uh, Starting to accumulate different rubs. Reading about rubs for beef, pork, poultry, fish, lamb, and so on is there anything wrong with using a pork rub, for example, on beef or a poultry rub on lamb and so on? Are there any flavor profiles of rubs that would work against the underlying flavor of what's being grilled or smoked? And how about mixing different rubs together?
4: I mean, that's that's really a good question. This is the, the, you know, this is a quality question that people probably a lot of people want to know. Um, You know, going back to when I started, we made our own rubs. And Generally, I would make a mainstream kind of a rub and then customize it to what I was cooking, whatever. I really wouldn't customize it much to the the meats. Uh, like for ribs, I would sweeten it up always. Uh, if I was cooking in the South back in the day, I would add a little cayenne. Just in my mind, those folks like the food a little spicier. Uh, on beef, I would maybe use a little more black pepper, maybe some garlic. So I didn't really, I used the same rub. I mean, in my heyday day of cooking barbecue contest, I used the same rub on everything. Even when I started selling rub, even then I would customize it just a little bit, probably more in my head than actually the flavor on the meat. You know, by shaking a little cayenne on there, I thought I was really changing it. Honestly, was the flavor different at the end of the day? Probably not much. So I come from the school of a good barbecue rub is good on everything. But you know it's different now um, guys are they're, they're such uh, um, uh perfectionists you know I call them uh, um, technicians the way they cook now they they don't they don't settle for a pretty good barbecue rub on everything they show up with four rubs and four injections and four bastes and four barbecue sauces and I, I'm not against that at all um, I, they're they're just getting way more into it than I ever did but let's talk about flavors you know on, on ribs, I always think sweet is a good thing, but you've got to have enough salt and enough heat to back it up. I think a lot of salt on, on competition barbecue is always a good idea. Um, so is MSG. You know, let's, let's cut out the bullshit. MSG wins a lot of barbecue contests, and I don't see judges puking and turning green when they're coming out of the tent. So there's, there's, a, there's a miscommunication there on how many people are allergic to it. Uh, on beef, I think black pepper is always a good idea. The general thinking is not so much sugar on beef, but I can tell you I put a lot of sugar on briskets and won a lot of trophies over the years with that. Um, And sauces. So what doesn't work? Let's talk about that. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I don't. I think if something's working really good on one thing, it's going to be pretty good on another. Chicken may be a little bit different. You can get away with a little bit of maybe citrus or herb with chicken that I wouldn't put on, on pork or beef. But in general, I think a good rub is a good rub. Anything that's really, uh, really off the beaten path is probably not a good idea for competition barbecue. Um, And frankly, you know, competition barbecue nowadays, by the time you inject that thing and baste it and and rub it and smoke it and put it into foil with a bunch of uh, some other liquid and then take it back off and, and put sauce all over it. Hell, you can hardly taste the rub.
0: Uh, that's from gene in florida so gene we appreciate that uh, my uh, comment of course would be especially if you're a backyard guy you know if you like the way it smells and you like the way it tastes then just try it out i mean what's the worst that happens it's uh maybe mediocre and you realize hey next time i won't try that on beef or next time i won't try that rub on pork or whatever um, yeah what a
4: concept try things yourself yeah. and learn the what you heard on yeah. the internet get outside
0: hey, the box right
4: one other uh, thing about that question I wanted to answer was I have a jug out in my garage right now called Frank and Rub. Uh, I end up with a lot of bottles of rub people want to give them to me and or I buy them. You know, I end up with a lot of different ones and you end up with a bunch of halves laying around the house. And just when you got to do a catering job or something, you throw it all in one jug and hope for the best. And it's it's always really good. No matter what you do, it, there's nothing you can go wrong. If you got 10 different rubs laying around the house, throw them in one jar, it's better than all 10 of them by themselves.
0: Franken-rub. That, so that could be the next Dr.
4: Barbecue rub, right? No, nah, I'm out of that business. <laughs> all right.
0: Uh, next question is from Steve. Uh, this will be a little bit more competition-related. Uh, he says, Ray, how can barbecue competitions in general better engage the public? I think it is critical for the advancement of the sport. Spectators walk away from barbecue competitions disappointed because not only can't they taste the competition barbecue, they can't even see it being prepared as pitmasters hide in the RVs and the trailers and so forth. Because spectators aren't engaged, there are few of them. Few spectators lead to few sponsors. Few sponsors lead to relatively paltry prize money, which I agree with. This is a public thirst for barbecue, and competition seems to go out of their way to turn their backs on them your thoughts?
4: Well, first of all, I'm going to say competitions don't necessarily go out of their way to turn backs on there. Competitors go out of their way to turn back on there, is what my opinion of it is. Yeah. Um, and, and I understand I've been on both sides of the fence, but it's hard to compete when you're trying to talk to somebody, but somehow we probably need to try to make that happen. Um, I also don't agree that prize monies are slipping and and people don't come. They do, man. There's more contests every year. I mean, there's some that fail, but there's more to replace them, and they get bigger and better. The prize money's bigger than it's ever been. Um, let's not pretend this thing is failing. It, it, it's, it's. I've felt that way for a long time that we needed to figure out how to engage the public. I still do. I think we've failed at it miserably in in most cases. Yet the thing continues to grow and grow and become more popular, and we all become more famous. Um, I'm I think I don't know how that happened because I don't think we've done a good job as a community of managing it. Um honestly it, it, the it's it's hard the cat's out of the bag. What I really feel needed to happen was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we needed to say wait a minute, you can't just do everything in your RV. That's not right. For one what we're talking about here that we want to engage the public, but second of all, there's no way to monitor what people are doing. Okay, we're going to self-police this thing, and I'm all for that. But self-policing doesn't mean we're just going to trust everybody to not cheat. Self-policing would mean you keep an eye on what your neighbor's doing over there. I I have a great, great memory one time. I was in uh, Paola, Kansas. I pulled up, I drove up down from Chicago, and I was cooking next to Twin Oaks, Bart and his dad. And uh, they were friends of mine. And I was cooking next to it. It was 106 degrees outside, and I had thrown my back out. It was horrible. So I had a Jed master I put my meat on. I fired it up, and I had a cooler with all my lettuce and parsley. We actually used lettuce back then, which <laughs> um, is a whole other story. But anyway, I had the cooler sitting there, and I in my van, I wanted to grab the cooler of parsley and lettuce and throw it in my van and take it to the hotel. I didn't want it sitting out there in 106-degree weather. And I went over to Bart, and I said, come here. I want you to look in this cooler that I'm taking off the ground so you don't think I'm doing anything wrong. And he obliged. He's my friend. He just looked in there and said, OK, fine, go ahead. And, and that was the end of it. And, and it, neither one of us thought much about it, but it was the right thing to do. Uh, that was self-policing to me. Not everything just stays in my motorhome and you don't ever get to see what I do. But it's too late now. What are we going to tell all these guys with the fifth wheels and and, and <laughs> dual you know, trailers that they can live in, that they can no longer use them? It's too late. We've screwed up. I feel uh, Memphis in May has done a much better job of that by, you know, of course, the way they're judging is it, it encourages uh, on site setups and tents and everything. But th- they don't allow RVs at Memphis and May. I'll be there next week. Now, they still have kind of the same issue because the camps is not like the camps are open to the public and you can't really go talk to anybody. But at least they're there. You could see them. You might actually see a piece of meat. I'm going I, You walk around these Sam's Club events. I went to the one last year in Tennessee. I had just gotten in town from doing that cook up for kickoff thing with Beth, who I was working with. And I, I wanted to show her, walk around and show her. Now, it was towards the end of the day, and I'm not blaming anybody, but there was nothing to see. As we walked down the aisle, there was an RV and a cooker and an RV and a cooker. And a couple guys in a lawn chair and a cooler of beer and an RV and a cooker. There was nothing going on. that looked like a barbecue contest. But I don't know how you stop it now. How you change it? I it needed to change a long time ago, uh, and it didn't. And I don't know. But but you know, <laughs> the success is there. We can't deny that this thing continues to grow. So I guess I guess it's okay that.
0: Way. Well, I guess maybe the 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 lucky thing of it all, if I may. Uh generate a hypothesis is as you said 10 15 years ago things should have changed it didn't but perhaps the massive thirst to figure out what's going on um, somehow you were able to to leap over that potential boundary and people are like well screw it if I can't see it I still want to do it I'm just going to jump in the middle of it become part of this society or part of this group or clique or whatever and I'll kind of learn on the run and maybe that's what exactly has happened
4: uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's obvious. You know, you know. next time you have Arlie Bragg on, ask Arlie about that, because Arlie used to try to have contests where the guys had to keep their RVs 30 feet from the tents in Las Vegas. He was having those, and, and he had tents. He would get nice tents for the guys, and it was just a constant fight. They, that's all they want to do is sit in their RVs. Now, I've sat outside and froze and gotten rained on, and gotten blown over by the wind. So I don't want to hear that bullshit that you can't do it. You can. We did it for many years. Uh, but yeah, you know, I mean, somehow, some way, it's working.
0: Uh, Ray, what are you uh, up to here before I turn you loose tonight?
4: I am going to shoot a secret TV show. And Ooh. then I am going to Canada to hang out with my buddy Ted Reader and some other friends. And we're going to oh. cook a bunch of barbecue at Niagara College for a few days. And then I come home for a few days, and I'm going to Sacramento Egg Fest. Eggs over the capital. Sacramento Cal with the distributor out there. oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to cook a bunch of food and maybe have a couple beers and talk to people about the egg.
0: That sounds like a perfect weekend for you.
4: (laughs) I kind of live to do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Ray Lampy joining me as he does the first Tuesday of every month for the Ask Dr. Barbecue segment. Ray, as always, appreciate the time, and we'll do it again next month.
4: Always a pleasure, Greg. Take care. You got
0: it. There he is, Ray Lampy. Dr. Barbecue uh, Great takes great qu- A. Great questions That's really what is important To this segment's uh, vitality Is getting good questions From the Listening public uh, But more importantly uh, Great takes on uh, the questions themselves From uh, Ray and if I may say so Your uh, esteemed host Alright now we're coming back With Bill Souza to talk about the Sam's Club event. But first, let me talk to you quickly about Butcher's Barbecue. Well known for the injections, the pork the beef, the prime injection, the bird booster, all available for sale on his website, butcherbbq.com. I believe if you see Dave at um, contests, he will also sell directly to you uh, right there. So if you are at a contest with uh, Butcher Barbecue and you know he's going to be there, I'm sure you could uh, saunter over to his trailer and say, Dave, I need to buy 7 or 15 pounds of this rub or that injection. They'd be more than happy to accommodate. Or go to ButcherBBQ.com. If you're looking for a go-to rubber sauce, he's got them. Uh, Honey rub. To the tune of 5-pound bags, by the way. 5-pound bags. Or smaller if you want. I recommend the 5-pound bag myself because you're just going to go through it like hotcakes. Uh, He's got the steak and brisket rub, Uh, the premium rub, especially if you inject with Butcher's. It's formulated to work with the injection, a perfect one-two punch to impress judges and friends alike. And, of course, last but not least, I talk about it every week, the sweet barbecue sauce. Look, uh, when it comes to sauce, I'm as picky as it gets. Butcher's sweet sauce wins in every category for me, not overly sweet, a nice slice of tank, just the right amount of back-end heat, no liquid smoke, thank you very little. Dave took the time and effort to make a quality sauce and didn't take the easy way out like most people do when they add the liquid smoke. Just because everybody else does it, doesn't mean that you have to do No worries on breaking the bank when it comes to shipping. Items at $55 or less, $8.50. Between 55 and 200 ship at $9.75. Anything over $200, ship for free. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. Stock up right now. Again, that's ButcherBBQ.com. Don't forget also, if you have been tricked, hoodwinked, or otherwise shenaniganed by another commercial injection, you can go over to ButcherBBQ.com, click the trade-in link, and then send back what you have in remainder from the other commercially made injection. And Dave will send back at your request pork, beef, prime, or bird booster. He will weigh it. Those weighs are final once he does it, and then he'll send you back the same amount in his perfect customer service to its top also the injection shake check that out butcher pbq uh, butcher bbq.com that's butcher always trust your butcher we are back with Bill Souza from Big B's Down and Dirty right after this stick around
2: advice on cooking brisket and ribs and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue it's the barbecue central show
3: who would have thought this music thing was going to go this far i never asked for this i never asked for this fast living the women the whiskey craziness there's whiskey in my soul I've been
2: drifting down that open highway, finger in the air, cause I do things my way. The next town's where I call home. Yeah, I throw a shot glass down in a light of a smoke, always
3: raise a little hell, never do what I'm told. I was born with that whiskey in my soul. Yeah. Uh, uh
1: in the dirt with my bottle
0: in my glass with a marble headstone saying I was a badass Born on a bar stool, still fast and we're back damn it i've i I lost my phone and I'm trying to get bill's uh number a vague what a nightmare. I don't know what the hell I did. If uh, anybody has Bill's contact. Oh, wait, let me see if I can raise him up here. Wow, very embarrassing.
2: <sighs>
0: don't worry, Bill, I'm not going to cut into your time. If you're Bill, if you're listening, uh 216-220-0966. Help me uh not look like this much of a turd. Very unprofessional. How did I not write that down? Damn it. I am not very smart, but we'll get him here in a second. How do you lose the number? Crazy uh Greg it was fifty eight when your show started here. It was warm it was a warm day, so the heat never came on uh yeah no I mean it was it was damn near sixty degrees, I think here today, but you know in the basement the heat doesn 't necessarily uh translate to to the going down part of it. as a matter of fact, I have uh the small heater on right now. oh, uh, if anybody knows Bill Souza from Big B's down and Dirty, please. Shoot him a message. Let him know to call in 216-220-0966 because I can't find my phone either. My phone is... Going- Get
2: that big stuff out of here.
0: I swear I added him. Maybe I didn't. I sure meant to, though. Wow, this is highly embarrassing. Oh. Anyway, uh, Ray Lampe. Great guest. This past week, and or this past week, this past segment, uh, talking about the flavors that work together and also talking about the uh, competition world and how we may or uh, may not have missed the boat with crowd interaction and uh, drumming up a little bit more support. I, I mean, what could I have done with my phone? I don't know. It's probably out in the car. Is probably where it is. I left it in the car. Bill, I am heartily sorry at my misfortune. Does nobody know Bill Souza for crying out loud? Please call me, Bill. Two one six two two zero zero nine six six. I'll be more than happy to uh, pick up your phone because obviously uh, I don't know where mine is because I'm not very smart. Hair looks great. You're welcome. Marley going to bet. All right. this Talk about a screeching halt to a great show. Oh, my. From your humble host. I'm going to go try and uh, find the phone real quick and see if I can't resurrect this thing. Uh, give me one second. my phone okay my question is last this is it okay I gotta go to die Bill's like this son of a gun I'm hoping this is him otherwise I'm in trouble feel like the fool here very unprofessional all right, Everybody loved the Price is Right music, by the way. It's a big hit. Uh, Bill, is this you? This is Bill. Oh, I am so sorry, Bill. That's <laughs> all
3: right. I, uh, You're saying the number too fast.
0: Well, I thought for a, a second that uh, I had properly prepared and put your number into my uh, Skype database, and then I went to pull it up as I was coming out of the break and realized, uh, oh, crap, I got nothing going. <laughs> <laughs> and then I left my phone in the car, and hilarity and tomfoolery ensued. Nevertheless, uh, great to have you on. We're going to uh, talk to you a little bit about the uh, big win over at the uh, Sacramento, California, local qualifier for Sam's Club. Um, uh, this, by the way, Bill Souza of Big B's Down and Dirty Barbecue Team. Uh, Bill, I guess for the folks that aren't as familiar with you, uh, or, or maybe not West Coastish, a uh, little info on you and kind of how you got into this competition side of things.
3: Uh, yeah, um, well, I went to a barbecue contest out in Fairfield, Ben Lobenstein had put on, and that kind of got me into it, and I said that at that contest that I, I wanted to be at that contest the next year, and so I just started getting everything ready and got there the next year, so. Uh,
0: comp- or, uh, barbecue isn't something that you kind of, like, grew up around and, uh, you saw other competitions or whatever?
3: Uh, yeah, I was barbecuing already. I don't know. I've always barbecued,
0: so. Competition uh, seem was it uh, better than you expected the first time out then?
3: Oh, yeah. It was great. Comradery was great. How, um,
0: how many people uh, make up big B's down in Dirty Barbecue
3: Well, uh, My first one was probably about 23 people. Now it's down to about three.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> so you, you've uh, contracted quite a number of people. Uh, Wow. Uh, Now, is it the same? uh, I mean, obviously, it's you, so two other people. Is it the same uh, two people that are going out with you, or do they kind of rotate in and out?
3: Yeah, it's me, my wife, and my kids.
0: So, a family affair?
3: Yeah. Uh,
0: Potentially having another pit master in the wings, how does he uh, find the whole competition barbecue scene, something that he's uh, down with uh, and excited about maybe doing his own thing?
3: Oh, no, no. He wants to be at home. (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, so this is like, uh, hey, get out on the road. We're going to be uh, having some fun as a family, whether you like it or not.
3: Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: so I'm always fascinated by team names, and Big B's Down and Dirty Barbecue uh, is certainly a name that kind of stands out to me. How do you land on that for a team name?
3: Okay, so uh, my brother-in-law <laughs> had started calling me uh, Big B and my, my son Little B. So that's where that came from. Pretty much my family when we were barbecue. Since we were getting ready for that year, we were practicing every weekend, you know. Um, everybody wanted to get down and dirty barbecue.
0: <laughs> yeah, down, <laughs> down and dirty means like uh, free for them, right? Yeah.
3: Exactly.
0: yeah no doubt about it. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and take a look back at the event itself uh, over in Sacramento and uh, kind of see. You know, I've I was hearing reports of uh, rain and, and perhaps poor weather out there. How did uh, how did it actually shape up for
3: you? Oh, uh, it shaped up fine. But, uh we were watching the forecast and everything. I mean, we were worried about the rain, but uh you know I didn't think it was gonna come anyway, but when you cook it came in... a lot later than we thought.
0: Well better than better later than like right in the middle of the cook, right?
3: Exactly, yeah.
0: When you um Encounter inclement weather uh, is that something that you're always prepared for, or can it potentially catch you off guard and kind of ruin the whole deal?
3: Yeah no, it doesn't bother us too much you know we we've queued in in the rain quite a bit, and we've done pretty good actually you know
0: was uh anything or did anything pop up that was out of the ordinary that you had to contend with during the cook this past weekend?
3: Um, not at all no went
0: so smooth that we were kind of worried. <laughs> yeah, right. You don't have to deal with anything popping up. We you know when you look at the individual results: uh, fifth and chicken, eighth and ribs, fourth and pork, seventh and brisket. Obviously, uh, you know th- top ten or better. Uh, well, shit, ch- top eighth or better uh, w- when you look at all the categories. Uh, did that uh, cook process and, and did your flavor profiles all seem to be hitting on all cylinders? Or were you surprised with uh, how well you finished in all categories?
3: Yeah, probably more like about six or seven cylinders. I, I thought it was pretty mediocre, to us. Um, I don't know. Does, you know does, it was it, it was middle of the road to me. Does, I was kind of surprised at what we had received up there.
0: Does it seem to be? I call it like the the pitmasters, the not the pitmasters curse, but uh, you know when pitmasters think their food is at their top, they always seem to be right in the middle of the pack in the overall finish. When they are either displeased or, as you would say, middle of the road on it, it seems that they're (laughs) right towards the top. Is that something that really seems to kind of hold true for you guys?
3: It it does hold true, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, I'm talking with pitmasters each week, and they're always talking about and, and preaching consistency in the process. And uh, as I just mentioned before, you finished no worse than eighth in these meat categories. Uh, I would imagine if you could take those results and transfer them to every cook that you did this season, you'd probably take that a good portion of the time, right?
3: Oh, yeah. Take that all the time. <laughs>
0: Is there, um, have you honed over your time of doing this? Have you honed the processes and, and have benchmarks set out at each category or at each contest so you know if things are going right in the cook or if they're not?
3: Um, I have to tell you, I, I have no guidelines or anything that I go by. I just I do my cook and I do my cook every time. You know, I do everything the same way. I've been doing it the same way for three years.
0: Have you seen a different flavor profile develop for you over the years, or has that something that has uh, really remained consistent as well?
3: Yeah, and no. See, our flavor profiles we stayed the same with those two. You know, um, regions. When we go to different regions, yeah, we might kick up the sauce a little bit or something like that. Um, but otherwise, my rubs and stuff like that, I, I pretty much stay the same.
0: I assume that uh, because of the the win, and even if you would have been uh, sixth place, uh, top six, move on to the regional, like, uh, you will be going to the Las Vegas region?
3: Yeah, we're going. We already signed up. Yeah, And then we're going to do the Mesquite one, which is a Sunday tournament. So we'll be doing two contests back
0: to back wow uh have you done back to back contests before oh yeah yeah now is that something that as, as a team you enjoy because you're getting kind of you know like uh, two in in a weekend where you would normally get one or is it kind of a a more pressing labor issue
3: yeah it, uh, it's it's a catch 22 i guess it, it is labor to do the four meets twice but to only load, uh, unload, and load up again. You know, once that's the deal for me.
0: You know. Yeah, well, uh, I would imagine uh, logistically uh, it does pr- present a few challenges uh, going back to back. But <laughs> obviously, one yeah. you're used to. Um, one thing that I noticed uh, was that two years ago, uh, not almost to the day, but in, in relative uh, terms, uh, very close to each other, two years ago, you won this same event in Sacramento, California, or 2012. Uh, grand champion in Sacramento uh, two years ago, and you've repeated again this year. When you look at what it was like two years ago and uh, the win this past weekend, what, if anything, has changed uh, in the process or in how you're cooking or anything like that that uh, would make one or the other stand out?
3: Yeah, um, I, I'd say to today, uh, I would think our trimming and... Uh, you know, just just the uh, appearances of our boxes are probably better.
0: Do you uh, do you hold both in in high regard, or because you won the one in two thousand and twelve, and like that was the the first one, is that a little bit more special? Or are they all like kids, you love them. Uh, you know, they're different, but you love them all
3: the same. Yeah, well, the, the first Sam's one's always a good one for us because that was our first GC.
0: Do you have a, a total amount of contests that you're planning on uh, doing this year, or, or do you just kind of take them as they come?
3: Yeah, we just take them as they come. I we did twenty last year. Uh, Kind of laid back a little bit this year. So Sam Sacramento was our first one this
2: year. So,
0: you know, three four years ago, you look at the barbecue scene over in California, and it was not nearly as explosive as it is now are you surprised in the time that you've been doing it i mean you've seen the growth obviously are you surprised to see how many competitions are on the west coast now and how many teams are competing and uh the prize money and the amount of teams showing up to events is this something that you had anticipated would happen or is it taking you by surprise
3: oh yeah i am i'm very surprised at uh, how big it's gotten i mean uh Actually, uh, at the, my first contest in Fairfield was when Harry Sue got his, his phone call to the pitmasters when we were neighbors. So we've just kind of watched it explode out since you know that phone call.
0: And been riding the wave ever since, obviously. Uh, we're talking with Bill Souza. He just won the Sacramento, California, Sam's Club local event this past weekend. And as you just said, he'll be moving on to the regional final round in Las Vegas uh, end of next month, April twenty sixth. So uh, this is one of those uh, regionals where you do the local and you don't have to wait five or six months to do the regional finals, like a lot of the other uh, regions are set up. But do you think that's a, a, of any benefit to you uh, having that regional so quick and, and uh, such a quick turnaround compared to that uh, local? Uh,
3: yeah, I guess so. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm glad that they're knocking out the West region first. You know, and getting it done with.
0: And uh, we'll see what happens at the end of April. Uh, Bill, obviously, I uh, wish you nothing but the best uh, heading into that round and really appreciate you working through my technical difficulties and uh, losing the phone <laughs> here at the top of the segment. But I uh, really appreciate you coming on tonight. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Vic. Yeah, you got it. There he is, Bill Souza, pitmaster of uh, da- uh, Big B's Down and Dirty. I think Down and Dirty, and I think of uh, that one rap song. Riding riding Dirty? Yeah. You can tell I'm a rap connoisseur. I can make that pull. Down and Dirty. Gonna catch me down and dirty. Gonna catch me down and dirty. No, I didn't. I didn't just do that. I won't cop to it. Central Lights, are you interested in taking barbecue or smoked foods to the next level? Of course you are. Have you thought about starting a catering business, opening a food truck, or even your own restaurant? If you've answered yes to any of these questions, let Cook Shack help you be successful. Register for Cook Shack's Fast Eddie's Restaurant and Catering Class to be held in July. The class is held at the Country Club in Ponca City, Oklahoma, and uses our commercial kitchen. You'll see how to cook a Cook Shack Charbroil FEC 500, FEC 120, and the SM 160. All smokers used during the class will be available for purchase at a special rate for participants at the class. The class has a classroom portion. And a hands-on portion, if you want to handle meat, rubs, and knives, this is a class for you. Each student will learn how to select proper meat, cut and trim brisket, pork butt, ribs, and chicken. Other topics to be discussed include menu ideas, cook and hold techniques, food safety, brining, profitability, and yields. It also includes setup of a dinner service and serving the patrons of the country club. The class is taught by the legendary Fast Eddie Marin. Barbecue Pitmasters TV show finalist David Bosco of Butcher's barbecue competition team and business. And Cookshack CEO and President Stuart Powell. You've seen him on the show here a couple times. Each student will receive a binder with class materials and supplies and Cookshack spices and sauces to take home. It also includes three nights of hotel, meals, and a tour of the Cookshack's manufacturing facility and tour of Head Country Barbecue Manufacturing Facility. Class dates as follows July 21st and 22nd class size limited to 25 students so sign up today for more information contact Krista with Cookshack 800-423-0698 that's 800-423-0698 or you can send her an email at c underscore jones at cookshack.com for additional information on Cookshack or Fast Eddy by Cookshack visit cookshack.com Again, the number for the class, 800-423-0698, or the email, c-jones at cookshack.com. Also, I have uh, applications. So email me that you're interested in the uh, CookShack class, and I will rifle uh, rifle you out the application as well. It has all the details, and you can sign up directly right there. All right, uh, we're quickly back to wrap up the show right after this. Stick around be right back.
2: Get in the smoke. Call 877 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg rampy Big B, new superb respect.
1: Let's go! I'm an outlaw. Give me two shots. We don't need a radio, bring a jukebox. Alright, we're back. Outlaw.
0: Uh, thanks again to Bill Souza for joining me this past segment, talking about the win out in Sacramento, California, this past weekend at the Sam's Club Local. He'll be going to the regional final in Las Vegas end the next month. That would be uh, May 26th, I believe I said it was. Please don't fall for this. I see it right here in the chat room. Propane, hickory-infused propane. We did that last year. It's a joke. Look, if you see Clinton Cantwell with his fingers in the stew... Things are running amok Grain of salt If you know what I mean Alright, let's uh, go ahead and quickly wrap this up So we get out semi on time Uh, All the way back in the first hour We spent two, count them, two interview segments With Aaron Franklin of Franklin's Barbecue Covering a host of different items uh, And related to the uh, Damn cat Covering his restaurant And some uh, TV stuff so, thanks to Aaron. We'll have him back on again hopefully sooner than later. Uh, second hour uh, saw Ray Lampy join us for the monthly Ask Doctor Barbecue site. And then Bill Souza, pitmaster of Big B's Down and Dirty Barbecue, recapping the win at the Sacramento Sam's Club. Uh, if you have raw cast iron, season it each and every time as it starts to cool down. A little grill brush action, then a little Pamper, a little Crisco, let it burn back in. Reseason it each and every time. Generations of rust free service. Uh, September 11th, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, it's your program host and proud U.S. American Greg Reppy. Good night now.